welcome to The Near Memo, a weekly conversation about search, social, and commerce. What happened, why it matters, and the implications for local. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Near Memo with uh, me, Mike, and today our special guest, Adam Dorfman, the new VP of product at Reputation. Is that the correct title, Adam? That is correct, and thank you. Yes, congratulations, congratulations. on that well, well-deserved Thanks. promotion. I've been watching your career from afar. Anyway, we talk every week about uh, search, social, and commerce through a local lens. And uh, Adam is kind enough to be sitting in for David Mim, who's uh, off playing golf or jo- riding SpaceX to the next uh, destination or wherever he is. Do you know where David is? I don't know where he is. I assume he's drinking beer somewhere on a golf course. Well, it's it's probably too early for him since he's on the West Coast. So, um, unless he's got a serious drinking problem, which I'm unaware of. Okay, all right. Having said that, uh, we're going to move on, and um, you know, a lot of stuff uh, happened this week. As always, we pick three items uh, and then unpack them and see where that discussion takes us. And today, I'm going to lead off with the rumor that Apple would be introducing some sort of search engine or new search capability at their developer conference, WWDC, which starts on Monday, I believe. Um, And so, you know, over time, Apple has put more and more investment into search. Uh, Siri is a search engine of sorts. Uh, Spotlight Search is a search engine. And they have continued to improve that and kind of peel away, I think, some of the volume that Google might see. We don't have any numbers on that, um, but there is there is some usage of these things. And so we're, we're kind of speculating on whether or not, and I wrote about this this week, we're going to see anything new or whether we're just going to see some sort of incremental improvement of the capability. So what do you, what do you guys think? The rumor was specifically about I think a web-based search. Yeah, a standalone search engine. Standalone right? Except, search. Yeah, yeah. And as I said here listening to you, the one reason I think Apple would do it is because they think that it, the only time they break things out of their ecosystem, for example, TV+, Plus, music, etc., is when they think it can be a lever to bring people into their ecosystem. And it is conceivable to me that search, a private search, where the experience is really good and the results are really good, et cetera, could do that to Apple. But for the most part, I see them as device-based, as you called it, federated search, where search is just a feature within the device. And I, I have a little hard time envisioning going out of that frame for this, although it is conceivable. You know, I was thinking about this, uh, and when I think about Apple, one of the ten, ten poles that they always uh, lay a stake to, whatever the, the phrase is, um, is privacy, right? And I think often about um, how they are constantly pushing privacy rights. And then I also think about like search engines, up and coming search engines like DuckDuckGo. And the I would be I think what I'm saying is I think I would be surprised if they launch a web-based search engine without some sort of acquisition happening at the same time because we all know search is really hard to get right even to get to like it's easy to get to eighty percent right but to get that last twenty percent is incredibly difficult um, and a lot of companies have struggled with it 
But if they could somehow roll this into their privacy push, um, I could see it building more trust with customers that care about that. Um, and I could also see it potentially making a bigger difference from uh, in the search industry as a whole as well, too. I think they're the only party that has the capacity to 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 really capture meaningful search volume from Google at this point it would be through the iPhone. They was just announced this week, and I think you wrote about it in the newsletter, that their that Safari is at a billion users. Yeah, right. And Safari, the the search the URL bar in Safari is a pretty powerful search tool that I use all the time because it gives me the I feel lucky result from Apple. It gives me my Google results. It gives me any open tabs I might have, which is a huge issue, is spawning tabs. And it allows me to search the page. So the, the Safari search bar is a very powerful tool. Do either of you use it a lot? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. Uh, yep. So that's powerful. The question is whether how how would Apple push that out into into the web? Right. They didn't push Maps onto the web. They kept it largely as a Macintosh iOS thing. And I think the the other thing too. It's a good point, Mike. Um, when you think of um, uh, Windows users um, that when they start using Chrome or Edge or whatever the current uh, Microsoft web browser is by default, um, Google still has what, 90, 95% search um, uh, share as it relates to search. So even if Apple was to launch a web-based search browser, are people still going to use Google anyways, even if they default to to the new search engine that Apple launches? I think mobile is a different story, but desktop seems like they got I, a search. I don't think they need to launch a desktop offering. I mean, I think the current, I, the, you know, the current stuff that Apple is doing around search is useful, but it doesn't replace Google. If they wanted to do something that's sort of positioned as a Google replacement, I don't think they need to go onto the web. They they can just have it be device based, as you said, Mike. Um, I think it would be pretty interesting. I've I've sort of long believed that if they were going to get serious about search, they would buy somebody like Neva or DuckDuckGo or somebody, even though those guys are, I guess, relying to some degree on, on the Bing index, is my understanding. Um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure about that. But, um, you know, I, 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 see, I see Apple's motivations being, I mean, beyond what you said, Mike, about bringing new people into the ecosystem, you know, completing... The privacy equation for them, kind of having a more that this is kind of a hole in a way, in that in that whole iPhone privacy marketing kind of bundle, um, and this is what you were saying, Adam. There's also a revenue opportunity for them. You know, they've been making more and more money with the uh, search ads on the App Store. In fact, Facebook and others are critical of them. You know, kind of shifting revenue from third parties onto their own platform through app tracking transparency. And I think as as Tim Cook looks to grow services revenue as one of the sort of drivers of additional growth, uh, search advertising could be very lucrative for them. They could do a very simple, you know, search ad product and it might be effective. But again, I don't think we're going to see any standalone, you know, new announcements. I think we'll see some incremental improvements of what already exists in all likelihood. Instead of I feel lucky result in Safari, they'll give us two results. They'll double their exposure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna we're gonna transition now um, to Adam. Uh, this week, Adam, um, there was sort of a discovery of the removal of the ability to manage manually manage inventory in Google Business Profile. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and maybe what what you think it means? 
Yeah, so it ended up being a bug, but WhiteSpark earlier this week reported that the ability to manually manage product inventory on Google Business Profiles had been removed and that it was going to be shifting completely to Google Merchant Center. Um, since then, it's been reported that it was a bug and all functionality has been restored. But upon hearing that, uh, I had a stream of thoughts. It was almost like a rabbit hole of why would they do something like that? Um, and it's, I think you guys have been reporting on this and it comes up frequently on this podcast about how local product inventory is a true differentiator for, for Google, especially when going up against Amazon. And my first suspicion was if they're removing the ability to manually manage products, maybe it's a quality issue. Maybe they want to be more confident on uh, the inventory that's actually there. And so want to have direct partnerships with POS systems um, and work directly through there through uh, or inventory feeds through Google Merchant Center, um, somewhat similar to how they typically will work exclusively with third party vendors for reserve with Google, as opposed to directly with individual uh, scheduling tools that companies might build for their own purposes. Um, but yeah, I, I, regardless of whether it was a bug, I'm making air quotes, or potentially a failed test that was supposed to be kept private and made it to public, I do think there's um, something to be said about Google being concerned about the quality of local product inventory right now. They are. Uh, so there's several things that are happening with display there, right? And I, I would perceive that product inventory, products as pushed through the G business profile, whatever the freak they call it these days. You can, you can call it Google My Business. Yeah. So products yeah. pushed through <laughs> that versus the, their real need, which is real-time product inventory. In other words, their, their need is satisfied by real-time product inventory. That satisfies their ad needs. It satisfies local product or local uh, pack delivery on product searches, whereas the way that product is currently structured in Google My Business, for the most part, and it also and product feeds also feed into Google My into the profile with a greater degree of accuracy. So, whereas the product feature adding one or two products is a very static view of a business and not particularly helpful to anybody as other than as marketing. So that's one side of it. So I, I don't know if they're going to get rid of that. They are sort of, they did recently sort of get rid of the, the business off, the welcome offer that you used to get and the follow that business, which never really worked where you could follow business and their offer would appear on your post. And there does seem to be something going on with offer posts right now, not working correctly, not being visible on the desktop, uh, which I think is part of a bigger plan to sort of make offers more visible across the board. So I think they may be freeing up. They may also want to free up space is what I'm saying uh, for display purposes of a uh, more serious display of offers and more display of real-time inventory. I was at Google marketing live. Uh, you'll hear my dog in the background, unfortunately. He's a constant, he's a commentator, one of these welcome she, voices. She, she, yes. She's yeah. she's a big believer in, in real-time inventory. She's been telling me this for years. That yes. That's, well, that's an just, absolute differentiator for Google. Yeah. I always thought she was a producer. I, I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, just... yeah, she's a producer, but not of uh, this program. She produces a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, 
I, I, I was talking to some folks at uh, Google Marketing Live, and I was trying to get a sense of how consumers were responding to real, real, you know, local inventory in in the SERP. And I didn't get any kind of data, of course, Google that never delivers that. But the but the general kind of gist of the comments that I got is that that, that they're that that it's a very positive response that people do like it and are are clicking and responding. So you know, we've I think we've talked about for a long time that inventory, local inventory, combined with online inventory, e-commerce, is a is a kind of a conceptually at least a winning strategy. For Google, whether they can execute against that as fully as they envision is a different, different matter. But it's 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 quite powerful, and I think we'll see more and more and more efforts to get, you know, as you say, Adam, quality, um, more more volume in there. Uh, and this yeah. is one of the. Go ahead. I was going to say um, when I think about choices that Google makes when updating uh, features and uh, search results and so on. Um, more often than not, like they're going to do things that are in best interest of the shareholders, but not at the expense of them potentially losing searchers to Bing or DuckDuckGo or something along those lines. And what I was thinking about that when I was thinking about this, I was wondering if if you're going to put local product inventory and have local product in inventory influence the order that Google business profiles are being returned or organic uh, results are being returned. There should they probably are going to want to have a high degree of confidence that if you do a search for a specific, um, uh, I don't know, humidifier near me, uh, that and you go to that store, that it's going to be there. Because if yep. not, that's a really crappy search result yep. and uh, not a good user experience at all. Absolutely, but I mean, I think Mike, um, you wrote about this in a in a longer piece a couple of weeks ago. That that there is a ranking boost that we're starting to see for real real time inventory, which makes yeah. sense because it's a relevance thing, right? Obviously, yes, yeah. So um, let's let's move on to our final item, which is related to this today, which is um, kind of the many and varied things that Walmart is doing to compete. You know, Google is competing with Amazon using this kind of agnostic uh, approach to products, online, offline. And Amazon is doing some very interesting things, or excuse me, Walmart is doing some very interesting things also to compete compete with Amazon. So why don't you tell us right. about that? So last week we talked about their drone project, which was being rolled out to six states, and they hope to have a million orders by the end of this year or something by delivering uh, products less than 10 pounds, non-perishable products. Uh, in those six states. And I, Walmart's doing some other very interesting stuff. So in the most recent conversation that I read with their, I don't know if it was a CEO or COO, um, or maybe it was their chief e-commerce officer, Tom Ward, they talked about how they were going to start fulfilling local delivery for third-party products out of local stores, um, which is something I speculated on several weeks ago and makes all kinds of sense. And if those products were successful, they would even consider uh, carrying those products in their store. So when it comes down to local search and delivery, Walmart has a tremendous e-commerce, local search, local delivery. Walmart has an incredible sort of infrastructure advantage because they have 4,500 physical, large, 100,000 square foot stores with lots of inventory within 90% of the U.S. population. 
And they are have been working on both last mile delivery options with their own drivers. Yeah, go lo- that's their go local go service. local product. They've been working on the drone thing. They've even been working on the in home service, which they are expanding, where people are walking into your home and putting things into your fridge. Um, yeah, that's a little frightening to me. <laughs> well, they'll put the hamburger t- helper that the drone delivered instead of the drone yeah. delivering. They'll put the hamburger helper in your cupboard, and so they're they're. They're obviously investing very heavily in this last mile and then turning their local stores into warehouses of sorts and then offering that to third parties, which all of which is very interesting. I quite, you know, Amazon though, having moved into groceries where Walmart is currently very successful at delivering this online offline experience, Amazon is switching over to uh, bespoke facilities to store and pick products, not picking it out of a working grocery store. And I just wonder how efficient from a picking point of view it is to send an employee out to the floor to go pick the hamburger helper to put on the drone or for the third party product. And um, now in the pre-talk, you mentioned that it's cheaper from a distribution point of view, moving massive amounts of inventory to these 4,500 stores and then putting them out to the public. But I'm just curious so when I look at all of this, I see Amazon, I see Google trying to do their inventory thing in local to fight Amazon, but I see Walmart as sort of the real player in local, and I see it as the three of them sort of fighting for this space. At some well, there are th- three three sort of different models, which is really interesting, you know. Um, I, I mean, I one of the things that strikes me is when, you, you know, Walmart is, we, we talk about whatever term we want to use, omni-channel commerce, unified commerce, hybrid commerce now, um, Walmart really is embodying that. So they're, they're offering many, many different options, delivery, pickup in store, you know, third-party delivery, uh, drones. So they've, they've got all these different options available. But in order, to, in order to sort of maintain kind of visibility on what's actually available for e-commerce, for in-store pickup, or for shoppers, you've got to have a pretty sophisticated inventory system. Right. Uh, that, integrated that, inventory system. Yes, Integrated exactly. apps, which it exactly. said that they were finally solving that problem in this article, that they were building a single app for both product and grocery. They were consolidating all their inventory information into one place so it would get delivered in one consistent experience. Right. I think, if I'm not per, in, mistaken, I think that the employees also have, it may be Sam's Club, which is owned by Walmart and not Walmart itself, but I think the employees also have some sort of app uh, that, that is reflective of, of inventory, but I, I, that, that may be wrong. They do but, have an they, app I, where they get all their scheduling. and In fact, yeah. they're given phones to do this. They actually right. each were given a Samsung phone. Uh, so there's sort of this geofencing of the employees using the phone, which is a little bit dystopian, I suppose. But, but this, this is this has this been the, the the problem for many many years with with retailers is that they have not had a kind of a back end integrated back end that gave them sort of visibility across the the whole uh, system. And and you know Walmart is ha- has to solve that in order to make to pull this off. And they do have apparently solved it though in the grocery arena, right? Successfully. I don't think anybody's doing buy online pickup at you know, pickup at the store as successfully as they are with groceries. 
Well, Whole Foods is, pre is pretty good. I mean, I was using Whole Foods delivery and occasionally I would do buy online, pick up in store when the delivery windows weren't available. And I, and I found that experience to be pretty good. Um, you know, once, once Whole Foods uh, and Amazon added that $10 delivery fee, I stopped doing it. Um, and I haven't had groceries delivered since uh, because it's just, you know, with all the grocery price inflation, to add an additional fee on top of that is not something I want. So. I found you also miss out on a lot of the in-store sales and so on when you when you rely yeah. on the grocery delivery. Yeah, can't squeeze the avocados either. Well, you yeah. know, you know, it's yeah. interesting. That's that was my initial fear against uh, about grocery delivery is that the produce would be all messed up or it would be undesirable. And and what I found by and large is that they do a pretty good job with the produce, and I haven't had too many problems. But again, I stopped doing it once they once the fee the fee kicked in. So I'm a big fan of Instacart. I use it. Um, I, I did want to say, though, the one thing that occurred to me when we were talking about this uh, before uh, is Amazon Marketplace. They make a lot of money from those third party small business sellers yep. uh, just to allow Amazon to fulfill shipping for them. Um, it does seem if Walmart can figure this out, uh, another a way to diversify their revenue streams and assuming that they can even take 10% or 15% of what Amazon's doing that's going to be a really large number for them. Yeah, a lot of a lot of merchants are trying to do the marketplace uh kind of third party seller thing. Uh, I, but I mean Mar Walmart is really the only one that's in a maybe Target maybe is in a position to do that I think given their visibility yeah, in the market. Oh, didn't you read Amazon's blog post, though, that if the Kobachar antitrust bill goes through, they may have to forego third-party uh, delivery through their prime service or something? I don't know. Yeah. I, I well, love reading Yeah, that's all sort of hiding behind the small business. The, 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 you know, the, the, all these guys sort of default to that. You're going to hurt small businesses. We've, we've talked right. about that in the past, and it's – it's a crock, pretty much. Yeah, well, the, the ones yeah. that are, I mean, many of them have already gone out of business, so it's a little late. The new ones that are around are functioning in a whole different model, so. Yep. Okay, that brings us to the end of another exciting Near Memo. As always, subscribe to uh, nearmedia.co and give us feedback, and we will see you next week. Thanks for joining David, Mike, and Greg. To stay on top of the latest developments in local, subscribe to our newsletter at nearmedia.co. We'll see you next week.